Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. We're joined today by Maine State Representative Seth Perry. Seth, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Paul. Okay, so, Seth, um, you are the sponsor of LD1708, which calls for the creation of a Maine consumer-owned utility called Pine Tree Power. And it puts the question of consumer ownership of Maine's grid on the ballot in November of 2021. So um, in that context, what inspired you to draft the legislation? What benefits would the formation of Pine Tree Power bring to residents of Maine? Well, Paul, um, that is the, the, the most important question, and I appreciate you putting it right at the top. Um, the reason that we've formed a coalition called Our Power, uh, the reason that we've put forward LD1708 to create a consumer-owned utility um, to serve all of Maine, really is the climate crisis. Um, more than anything, um, it is the, the looming climate catastrophe uh, that motivates us to move in this direction and to want to change our utility business model. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about um, why we feel it is so imperative, uh, but I'll just say by way of background, I, you know, I currently serve as House Chair of the um, legislature's uh, energy committee. Um, I've served in a number of positions in the legislature since I came in back in 2007. But energy has always been my my real passion as a legislator and as a policymaker. Um, I actually got started in the in the field um, at age 10, uh, participating in the conversation around nuclear, and uh, you know I was back in the late 1970s. Um, but now in my early 50s and as a father, um, I am very concerned about uh, my children's future and, and our children's future. Um, we have uh, here in Maine the worst utility by most measures in the entire nation. Um, Central Maine Power, uh, our largest investor-owned T&D and also uh, Versant, our, our second largest, and there are only two. Um, they they only deliver. They they do not own generation. We are uh, a restructured state. Um, so really, all we ask of them is that they keep the lights on and the bills reasonable and customer service, um, you know, uh, at a reasonable level as well. And on all three counts, they're failing miserably. Um, you know, to, to at the absolute bottom of the barrel, we have the worst reliability in the nation. Uh, at present, we have the 10th highest rates overall. That includes generation, so it's a bit hard to, to separate that out, but more than half of it is the delivery. Um, and we also have the worst customer satisfaction on the annual JD Power rankings for three years running. Uh, CMP is the worst, and, and our other utility first and is the third worst. Um, so this is not the kind of system that you want to hang your, your you know, all of your hopes for uh, an electrified, decarbonized future on. Um, and, and that's where we're heading, right? We need to electrify everything. We need to electrify our transportation fleet, which here in Maine is 54% of our emissions. We need to electrify our building heating and cooling systems, which is another 30% of our emissions here in Maine. Um, industry as well. Um, you know, some of that will be, will be the molecule, right? You know, clean fuels. But um, the vast majority of it will be done through the monopoly electrical grid. And just as, you know, I, I wouldn't want my, you know, schools or my roads or my fire department to be um, owned and run by, uh, you know, a foreign for-profit utility uh, monopoly, I, I, I certainly am not comfortable pinning all of our hopes for, um, you know, a decarbonized future on, on that kind of a system either. Um, 
the other thing is that these utilities are, you know, increasingly um, here in Maine, at least, I think this is true nationally as well, owned by uh, more and more distant investors who really, you know, could care less about um, our welfare here in Maine um, and have done a great job, frankly, of, of uh, you know, boosting profits. Um, and, you know, there, there, there is a, a system here in the U.S., which I think uniquely um, is, is rigged, um, you know, in favor of investors. We have, uh, you know, the hope and the Bluefield decisions that, you know, guarantee profits based not on, on performance, um, as the rest of the, you know, the free market economy has to do, um, but based on, on simply blind and dumb capital investment, um, as long as it's not found to be imprudent, um, it's okay. And you make money on it guaranteed. Um, and typically that's a double digit profit. It's, it's, it's astonishing. You know, we pay their taxes. Um, if there's a storm and a catastrophe, we typically pay for that. If there are cost overruns, you know, we typically pay for those. Um, unless, you know, by some miracle, um, there's a finding of imprudence. So it really is a rigged system. Um, you know, I could, I could go on about that. The Rostikowski rule, uh, it's another, uh, which I know APPA is very familiar with, but the point is, um, you know, we face uh, a, a tremendous problem. We need to, in, in electrifying, we need to not only throw ourselves on the, on the dependence of the monopoly poles and wires, but we also need to, to, to increase investment in that system, both for reliability in the face of extreme weather and for the sake of, uh, of, of boosting the capacity of the grid, you know, at least three times, maybe four or five times its current capacity. Um, a smarter grid, a more multi-directional grid, um, as well, and and all of that means uh, you know huge investment. Um, public power is able to invest at half the cost of the investor-owned utility world because of the Hope and the Bluefield decision and and the whole U.S. Um, regulatory system that protects the profits of these companies. So, you know what we're talking about is is a pretty simple choice. At the end of the day, do we want to pay you know twice as much as we need to? Um, to uh, decarbonize, to 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 move all of our energy use from uh, fossil fuels to clean electricity, or do we want to do it at, at half the cost? Um, and to me, that's a pretty you know obvious answer. Um, in addition, of course, there's the importance of of the the local control, the democratic decision making. You know, on a board that's truly accountable um, to the people, and so. That's another reason that we here in Maine, especially the, the Our Power Coalition, um, which is a statewide organization of over 30 groups, um, is working so hard um, to make Maine the, the, the second state <laughs> after Nebraska um, to make this transition. And uniquely to do it, um, not as Nebraska did, um, you know, for, for, for all the good reasons they did, but really to f- do it with a focus on, on climate, on decarbonization, and, and by the way, to a lesser extent, on, on broadband. Uh, we have a real issue there, and um, as we've seen in Chattanooga and uh, other places around the country, um, consumer-owned utilities, public power can also um, really help to bring down the cost to attach to poles and to deploy broadband in rural areas. So, so those are the reasons we're doing it. Um, we've been on this journey for three years now, and uh, APPA has been a great partner in that. Great. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that great overview, Seth. So. Uh, in terms of kind of recent events, um, your bill was passed by the legislature uh, in late June, and it, it includes an amendment that you have said addresses two key concerns that have been voiced by Maine Governor Janet Mills. Could you detail what uh, what your what the what that amendment calls for? 
Sure. Uh, there was pushback from um, some of our municipal leaders who are especially dependent on uh, utility property taxes. And of course, we, you know, we pay those property taxes in our rates. So you're really um, taking it from one, you know, one rate payer pocket and, and putting it into a taxpayer pocket. Um, it's the same person paying it. But <clears throat> the, um, the local communities, the specific communities that were most impacted potentially, um, you know, we're, we're concerned. We, we, we did provide for that in the bill uh, through a mechanism um, which your listeners may be familiar with. It's called payment in lieu of taxes. Uh, we required uh, the new utility, which we call the Pine Tree Power Company, to uh, make payment in lieu of taxes um, that is fully commensurate with what um, property taxes would have been for the investor-owned utility. Um, having said that, uh, that that term, um, payment in lieu of taxes, really, um, unfortunately, invokes some distrust on the part of the local communities. Um, you know, they think of of these pilot, so-called pilot payments. Uh, you know, uh, more often they're voluntary. Um, you know, a new nonprofit comes to town and um, and, and trying to uh, placate the municipality with concerns about lost property tax revenue. They say, "Well, don't worry, we'll make payments in lieu of taxes," but that's not legally binding. Um, that's, you know, simply a, a promise. And, you know, nonprofits often have tight budgets, so um, we know what happens. And and so it was really more about trust. And what we ended up doing with the amendment um, to help address those concerns was simply make the Pine Tree Power Company uh, subject to property taxes full stop. Um, we decided that was the best course of action. So Although it is a, a tax-exempt entity for the purpose of income taxes, um, it will be paying property taxes uh, to municipalities once created. And, and uh, checked it out with Bond Council, and uh, it worked out fine. So I said, why not? And it, that, that uh, definitely helped to uh, win us the support we needed to get the bill uh, through the main House with a bipartisan majority, through the main Senate with a bipartisan majority. And it is now on the desk of the governor awaiting her action. That, that's a perfect segue to, to my next question, which is um, she has, uh, she, the, the bill will let, basically she can sign the bill or, or she has 10 days to pass without uh, either her signature or a veto, the bill will become law. But she could also veto the measure. So as of today, we're recording this on July 7th, she hasn't taken any action on the bill um, so I guess obviously the question is what happens if she vetoes a bill? That's right. And, and we should know by this time next week, so around the 14th, uh, if uh, she has allowed it to go into law, um, signed it, or vetoed it. Um, there's, a, there's a window of time uh, in which she needs to take action. So um, we certainly hope that the governor will see fit to let this go to the voters. The bill um, the next stop, if, if the bill does go forward, is uh, to voter ratification in November of this year. We wanted the voters of Maine to weigh in on, on, on their energy future, um, and uh, that's, that would be the next stop if the bill goes into law. Um, if it does not, if, if she vetoes it, uh, we will not have the votes to override. We, we have majorities in the House and Senate, but not supermajorities, uh, which of course are required for any override. And what that would mean is that the, the LD-1708 uh, dies and does not go into law, and the people do not uh, have the opportunity to vote on their energy future in November of this year. However, um, our power, the 
uh, coalition that has been working so hard for this uh, is determined to go forward and will be collecting signatures to place the same question on the ballot in November of the following year, uh, which is uh, uh, a gubernatorial election year. Um, all legislators and the governor as well uh, will be on the ballot uh, for re-election, um, you know, or in, in the case of empty seats for, for new elections. And um, it, it, that would be a great year also to have the conversation. We're very happy to go forward in either year. Obviously, you know, we think it's important and we'd rather that it happens sooner. Uh, but we are determined to collect the signatures needed. Uh, Maine is a referendum state, and, and we do have this ability to collect signatures um, and initiate a bill um, directly through the people. So that is our intent, and uh, and we'll see which way it goes. So, Seth, can you describe how supporters of LD1708 have educated Maine residents about the benefits of public power and the creation of pine tree power? Sure. Well, you know, it, it's been a three-year journey, actually, since we started working on this. And, you know, before the pandemic, uh, we were able to travel around the state. Um, you know, I was speaking with Rotary Clubs and, uh, you know, whoever would listen, uh, frankly, you know, folks uh, gathering in a living room, um, wherever uh, people were interested in having the conversation. And what I have found is that we have an incredible expert population of retirees here in Maine. Uh, many folks uh, come here to retire and enjoy our wonderful quality of life. Um, and the retiree population, uh, you know, has expertise and time to give. And so many of our best volunteers and, uh, and, and educators, they become educators themselves, about this issue um, come from that population of experts, you know, retired utility managers, regulators, um, others with background in the industry. And uh, that, that's just been an incredible resource. You know, these are the folks who have, you know, showed up in the halls of the state house to lobby legislators and educate folks um, directly in Augusta. Um, who have spoken with journalists and with editorial boards, who have written letters to the editor and op-eds, you know, coming from a place, obviously, of real credibility um, and, and also with, with you know, the, the time on their hands and the understanding about what's at stake and why it's important. Um, we've also created a website and uh, we have social media channels. The website is ourpowermain.org. Uh, and that's .org, not .com. So ourpowermain.org. Uh, we'd love your listeners to check it out, and um, you know, also follow the the social media feeds that are linked to that. Um, during the pandemic, we obviously had to shift to a more online approach, and uh, we decided to create a power lunch series, as we called it. Um, every Friday at noon, we held a half hour. Um, interview with a special guest or, or a couple special guests and the audience um, who got to participate in questions and answers uh, were made up of, of invited uh, policy leaders from the state of Maine. And those uh, Zoom sessions were recorded and are posted uh, to the website. That also was very helpful uh, because it, it, it gave us the opportunity to hear from 
Um, folks who have run our own consumer-owned utilities, we have nine of them here in Maine. They're smaller, a mix of munis and um, co-ops. Uh, but I really hear about their incredible uh, successes uh, over the years and understand the, the, utility, the consumer-owned utility business model better that way. Uh, we heard from Winter Park, Florida, where Randy Knight um, was able to tell us the story from start to finish of how they began in 2003 with a referendum and, and then converted to uh, public power in 2005 um, and how the, the incumbent utility, Progress Energy, said the sky would fall, but in fact it didn't, and the sky lifted. They uh, brought down prices, they have local control, they, they've uh, actually undergrounded all the lines there. Um, and have uh, the lights on even in hurricanes, which is uh, very impressive. So, um, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that we that we had, and it was um, the power launch series was was very helpful in educating folks as well. I think, and um, you know, we're also as we as we look to reach more uh, more voters here in Maine, and and to um, continue to. Um, widen the conversation and educate more folks about what is, after all, a fairly technical um, area of policy. Uh, we want the average person on the street to understand what's at stake, why this matters. Uh, we are also fundraising and you know, looking uh, to folks here in Maine to give what they can to help us to you know, continue to amplify the conversation and get the message out. Um, and you know, we're certainly... Um, exploring um, every avenue that we can in that regard as well. This is really a, a David and Goliath um, struggle, but we feel that main people are uh, ready for this kind of conversation. Uh, the utilities themselves have in some ways been uh, the biggest advocate for us to um, say goodbye to them. Um, they are you know, increasingly owned from afar, um, Iberdrola, Based in Spain, as the owner of Central Maine Power and uh, NMAX, uh, really the city of Calgary in Canada is the uh, sole owner of our other utility, Versant. And you know, their their focus, their priorities really are elsewhere. They're interested in the profits, um, but uh, less so in in the people of Maine. And I think I think folks here in Maine understand that and and really do want to take their power back into their own hands. You know, this is a a, a privilege um, to have a monopoly that we allow um, in law on a conditional basis and that we can also take back if the privilege is is not is no longer warranted and it's quite clear that it's um, in the public interest I would argue it's imperative to um, take back our power to to have democratic control over it to be able to finance our energy future uh, at, at half the cost, and you know these are these are decisions that will have profound impact, in particular on the next generation and the one after. So you know I think about my children, and you know hopefully someday my my children's children, and and what's at stake there. And I, and I think you know most Mainers do. That's you know we we care about those things. And so um, the conversation so far has been um, very. Uh, positive. We've done some polling that says that we have 75% support uh, here in Maine for uh, this initiative. And you know, we're going to continue to um, move forward here in Maine and try to, to be 
you know, the, the second state, um, you know, Nebraska did it in 1933, but we want to be the second state and the first in the modern era um, to make this transition, to change business models to one that is more affordable and more appropriate for addressing the, the tremendous um, energy challenges of our, our present and our future. Um, so really appreciate all of the uh, advice and, uh, you know, assistance, technical assistance that uh, the Public Power Association has been able to provide. Uh, Ursula has been a tremendous resource there. And, you know, we want to um, continue to uh, avail ourselves of, of your expertise. Uh, Joy Ditto, who uh, your, your president there, uh, wrote a tremendous um, op-ed in our, our largest statewide paper, the Portland Press Herald the other day and, and really laid it out beautifully, um, you know, speaking about the diligence that, that we've undertaken here. And, um, we're, we're, uh, we're very grateful for uh, the, the, the assistance and advice of APPA. Well, Seth, thanks again uh, so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Given the fluidity of the situation, um, as we've been doing, we'll be sure to report on any developments in our newsletter, Public Power Current. Um, so, Seth, thanks again for taking the time. All right, Paul. Great to be with you, and thanks again for all you guys do. Uh, stay cool down there. All right. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>